0: this morning we're continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. It's June 1st and it's taken us three months to get out of Matthew 5 and now in Matthew chapter 6. So why don't you go ahead and open your Bible to verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, Here's the issue. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And when your father, who sees in secret... Will reward you. Now, Jesus is doing something that ancient speakers and writers would sometimes do, which is they would state a thesis and give three examples. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, the thesis is this that Jesus gives a warning about having um, a public or demonstrative uh, type of faith. He encourages that we should have a private righteousness, a private piety. That the things that we need to practice as followers of Jesus, those who are entering the kingdom of heaven, change from the inside out, is that we would uh, practice what we call spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines is creating space to draw closer to God. So the thesis is this, beware... practicing your spirituality in front of others to be seen by others but when you practice and you draw close to God make sure you do it in secret that when you give to the poor spiritual discipline of generosity that you do that in secret that when you pray that you do that in private that you go to your closet and this is how you ought to pray our Father in heaven hallowed be thy name and later on, in verse 16, he says, hey, when you fast, you fast in secret. And the title of my message this morning is for the audience of one, which is secret generosity. And what Jesus does is that he provokes kind of this tension because early in uh, chapter 5 or 16, he says, hey, um, let your light shine before man so that when others see it, they would glorify your God and Father in heaven. But in this instance, he says, hey, don't let your righteousness, don't, don't be seen. And so he's uh, provoking thought amongst his listeners. But all that to say is this. Here's the main point for us this morning. Would you write this down? Wrong motives ruin right actions wrong motives when you're doing it for with an impure motive not with a right heart it could ruin perfectly good actions whether it's giving to the poor whether it's fasting or whether it's praying if your heart is not in the right place if you're doing it not to please god but you're doing it to please others Your right actions will be ruined because you have the wrong motives. Motives of the heart are more important than religious activity. What Jesus calls for is this private piety. That you don't have to toot your own horn. You don't have to blow a trumpet. You you don't let what your left hand and your right hand know what's happening. That when you give, you give in secret that there's this... Righteousness about you that is secret, that is between you and God. You see, the kingdom transformation that produces heart righteousness in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus says, if you want to, your righteousness from the heart must surpass that of the righteousness of the Pharisees, it must produce external acts of righteousness. Look at Matthew 6, verse 1. Jesus says, beware of what? Here's the warning, verse 1a, practicing your righteousness, living out your faith. Make sure that when you do that, you don't do that in front of other people, before other people. And here's the result clause. In in Greek, this is the... um, Prostoplas, the infinitive, it's usually a purpose clause. And this is what it says, in order to be seen by them. See, you see the motive there? You could live out your faith, but be careful that when you live your faith, you don't do it to be seen so that you could be adored and you could be revered and you could be venerized by people, Right? What happens when we practice our f- faith, we live at our faith, our righteousness before people so that we could be seen? For then, in 1C, is the conclusion, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Remember the first message on the Sermon on the Mount? You'll get, ultimately, you get what you really want. And if all you want is accolades from people, oh man, he's such an awesome speaker, oh man... She's so talented in worship. Oh man, look at them. They're so generous. Look at how much they pray. And if that's all you're wanting for, that's all you're going to get, your reward will be here now and you will not get a heavenly reward from your Father in heaven. Wrong motives, they destroy and they ruin right Actions. And we can see this from 1 Corinthians 13, right? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, you have the right actions, right? Speaking in tongues of men, right? And speaking tongues of angels, heavenly language. But if you don't have love, you don't have the motive of loving God and loving people, what happens? I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, you have PhDs, right? And if I have faith to move, remove mountains, but if I don't have love, if I don't, if I do things for God, but I do things with the wrong motive, I am nothing. And here's the one where it really connects with our verse, verse three. If I give away all that I have to the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, if I become a martyr for Jesus, but if I don't do it out of love for God, but I'm just doing it to look good in front of people, I'm doing it because I'm a proud person. I gain nothing. See, you can do all the right things for God. But if your heart is wrong towards God, you gain nothing, you profit nothing. Your righteousness, Isaiah says, is be, it's like filthy rags before God. Here's an action point for us about wrong motives ruin right actions. Would you write this down? Don't settle for the temporary, immediate gratification of people's approval. Let me repeat that. Don't settle for the temporary, here now, and immediate, you could get it right away, gratification it feels so good to be respected and honored and approved by people. Don't settle for the temporary, immediate gratification of people's approval. Look at verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, There's the issue of giving to the poor. Don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Why do they sound a trumpet? That they may be praised by others. Now, givers do not usually sound out a trumpet. Look at me, I'm giving. But uh, Jesus is using a play on words here because uh, this image is a hyperbole. Because the, the receiving buckets in the temple, they kind of look like, like trumpets. And when you drop money, it would make noise. So if you drop money, it's like, look at me, bing, 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 Wow, that person's giving a lot. They're so generous. God must be blessing them a lot, right? And here's the underlying thing. When you give, don't do it so that you could be what? Praised by others, Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When Jesus says, truly, I say to you, that literally means, amen, amen. I tell you, it concludes a prayer. And most scholars believe that beginning a saying, this implied authority. Jesus says, if you live for the praises of men, praises of men is exactly what you're going to get. Now, in the Bible, there's basically two types of judgments. There's the great white throne judgment, which is the final judgment, which is for the unbelievers. We could find that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 13. Then I saw a great white throne and him, Jesus, who was sitting on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So the great white throne judgment is the final judgment for non-believers. They didn't believe in Jesus Christ. They didn't put their faith in the gospel. And because of that, all judgment is committed to Jesus, that the whole creation would be judged, Matthew 25, 1 Corinthians 15, Revelation chapter 20 verse 11. And not only that, but not only people but fallen angels will be judged. 2 Peter chapter two verse four, Jude chapter one verse six. Now, the great white Throne judgment is for unbelievers, those who do not believe and refuse to believe and put their trust in Christ. But there's another judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And that judgment we could find here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The judgment seat of Christ is for believers like you and me. Paul g- tells the Corinthian church, we believers, hey, we're all going to be judged, not because of our um, faith in Christ, but you're going to be judged as believers in your good works, what you've done here on earth. Now, The judgment seat of Christ, it's not viewed as a judicial bench, but it's actually viewed as a reward seat. You see, in the Olympic Games, they would have this reward seat um, where those presiding over the games, they would sit on top of the judgment seat. And guess what they would do? They would give gifts, and they would evaluate athletes' performance, and they would give them rewards. So the judgment seat of Christ then is for believers of Christ that they would receive a reward. Why am I saying all this? If you live for the temporary instant gratification, if you do things for God, but you do it like a hypocrite, you're putting on a mask, it seems like you're doing it for God, but actually you're doing it for yourself, to make yourself feel good about yourself, to make yourself look good in front of everybody, where it really comes down to vanity and pride, your reward will be here, and that would stop. You get your 15 seconds of fame here on earth. But can you imagine when the trumpet sounds, 2 Thessalonians says, when we come before Christ, and all the believers would gather, and all the undercover Christians who did not want the credit here on earth? Jesus was like, hey, let's let's roll the tape. You did things when nobody noticed. You didn't do things for the accolade. And Jesus would, for all of eternity, in front of all the believers, in front of Moses and Abraham and Paul, the heroes of the faith, you would be judged in the judgment seat of Christ, and you would get an eternal. Well done, good and faithful servant. But if you choose to live for the temporary because you want to impress people, you want to look good, you're going to get your reward now. And that's all you're going to get. You know, there's a. Uh, Kristen Kane, who's a fiery uh, uh, preacher out of Australia, she was talking about when she was younger and she opened up for Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer is a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more of a veteran. And so, Kristen Kane came up, it's like, oh man, Joyce Meyer's here, so I gotta, man, I gotta hit my home run message. And she gave her three points, she gave her like a plus home run hit it out of the park. And she was telling jokes and she was smart and she was just going off and, and she was just preaching and everyone was like, oh, Christine, you're so awesome. And she took it all in and she walked off the stage feeling good about herself and Joyce Meyer told her, now congratulations. That's all you're going to get. If that's what you're earning for, that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for the approval of people, if you want this public accolade, this public acceptance, there you go. You got it. But you really need to focus on your secret life with God. So this morning choose that when you come before the judgment seat of Christ for believers that you would hear, well done good and faithful servant. That the things that you and I give and pour our time our talent and treasure that it will have an eternal impact that your reward is not from will not be from the babbling of men or the approval and the applause of men but you serve for the audience of one and it will be an eternal reward number two and we'll go ahead and close with this is that the greatest motivation for humility is intimacy with God. We talked a lot about motivation, how wrong motives destroy right actions, how wrong motives ruin right actions. Don't strive as secret generosity because you want to get a great reward in heaven, because you want to be for all of eternity, all of eternity, right, uh, be venerated, by Jesus and everybody and you'll have this great reception in heaven. Have a secret righteousness because when you serve, when you give, when you love, when you live for Christ in secret that you're not seeking the approval and the applause of men, you are gonna draw closer to Christ. Be humble And humility, as C.S. Lewis said, is not thinking less of yourself, right? It's not thinking, oh, I'm so stupid, I'm so dumb. It's not talking down on yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. That you put God first, you put others first. The great commandment, love God, love people. Look at verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not... Let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. If that sounds familiar at all, that's from Jonah. Remember? Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. That uh, the Ninevites, they didn't know their left and their right. They didn't know what they were doing. And that's, of course, a hyperbole. They knew knew what they were doing. But the point here is that when you give, you know, that you subconsciously don't know what you're doing because you're doing it in secret. And here's the conclusion. When your father who sees in secret, he will reward you in full. He will reward you in full. The language of having a reward in full is the language of repayment in ancient business receipts. Isaiah 57 verse 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Now, I want you to just um, catch here uh, the placement that God is high and lifted up. He, He is in eternity, whose name is holy. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place. Also, high and holy place, but I dwell with Him who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Sometimes we want to be humble so that we can be great in God's kingdom. Sometimes you want to give and be generous and serve so that we can have a great reward in heaven. But the greatest motivation for humility is that you would be you would have an intimate relationship with God, that you would be so close to the Father, so close to the Son, so close to the Holy Spirit, that He was exalted. He's lifted high. He dwells in the high holy place, but He dwells and He lives with those who are contrite and humble in spirit. God had this intimate relationship with Moses. He adored Moses. Moses, He says, Man, prophets... I might reveal myself to them in a dream or in a vision, but Moses, I talked to him as a man would talk to his friend. Why was God so intimate and close with Moses? Because Moses was the most humble. He was the meekest man on the face of the earth. So you see, the reward of humility is not just grace. It's not just being great in the kingdom, but ultimately it is intimacy with God. God. If you want to serve, if you want to give, I think Martin Luther sharply puts it this way, until a man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. Until a man is nothing, humility, thinking less of yourself, thinking about yourself less, God can make nothing out of him. So this morning, we're gonna partake of communion. And I would ask you to examine yourself. Examine, see, like, Holy Spirit, search me. Like, do I get upset when I'm not recognized for all that I do for the church? Do I get angry when my family uh, doesn't recognize or doesn't applaud all that I do for my family? Is there something There's something about human nature that craves attention? I mean, my four, four-year-old son Ezra, Dad, look, 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 look at me. I jump, look, look, everything. Look at me like I'm doing stuff. It's something innate in us that we want. We seek the approval of people. I encourage you this morning that humility, humble yourself before God. God will dwell with you. And when you give, make sure that you give with the right motive. Not that you could get back, but you give because. It's the right thing to do, right? Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's the right thing to do. What are the right motives? It's the right thing to do. We do it because we love God. We do it because of obedience to God. We do it because we want to draw close to God. We don't we seek the audience of one. Let's go ahead and receive our communion this morning. I received from the Lord, which I now deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you, eat of this in remembrance of me. And at the very core of communion, the Eucharist is Eucharist Deo in Greek means I give thanks, it's this heart of gratitude, and this is the motive, you could be taking this right now, and if, if you don't examine yourself, then your right actions will be ruined by your wrong motives, and the right motive is this, self-examination, Lord, search me and know me, if there's any impure way, Lord God, would you reveal that to me, I confess, Lord, what have been my motives for doing the things that I've been doing? And when you confess, when you repent, the Bible says times of refreshing would come. Let's go ahead and pray as we eat of the bread. Lord, we thank you, God, for your body that was broken. It's because your body was broken that we are able to have whole lives where our lives don't have to be broken by sin, fractured by our sinful nature, or God, but Lord, there's a wholeness, Lord God, to our life here on earth, that there's a, a depth, there's a substance, Lord, of knowing you. So as we eat of the bread, I pray that you would give strength, I pray that you give grace. Lord, I pray that you would cleanse us, make us new. We thank you, God for dying our death on the cross that we deserved and for resurrecting so that we could have eternal life with you. In Jesus name, amen. Let's go ahead and eat of the bread. In the same manner after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of this as often as you eat for as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's go ahead and drink. Amen, amen. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you guys for joining us for our first ever historical moment of Home Church here at New Hope Community Church. Um, If you're a part of Home Church right now, your hosts are pumped They're ready. They're excited. They have the questionnaires ready for you guys. So would you really just use this time and redeem this time? It's been three months since you've had, you know, contact with each other. So really use this time to be open, to be honest, to be engaging and just go through the discussion discussion questions. Um, If you're by yourself, maybe, you know, just make sure you could go to the notes section. It has the sermon notes, but underneath that, on the second page, they have the group discussion questions. If you just want to reflect by yourself, have some self-examination, go ahead and go through that. Or if you're with your family, husband and wife, and with your kids, this would be an amazing time for you to... uh, Go through that and just go on a deeper level and connecting not only with God, but connecting with each other. Don't forget, under the notes, uh, if you're on Facebook, we'll put that on the chat box. All the questions for you guys to go deeper in your relationship with God and each other. All right. Well, we love you guys. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us. Lord willing, if the Lord wills, we'll see you next week.